Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. This is the Bob Cordaro Show podcast, WILK News Radio. Great good morning, everyone. The third hour here of the Bob Cordaro Show. I am he, proudly so. And we're honoring a group of veterans we lost within the last month. My old friend Eddie D'Agostino, survived by his wife Evelyn, U.S. Navy corpsman. Thomas Waronko, Scranton, wife Judith, U.S. Army in Korea and a Pennsylvania State policeman, R.J. Whiting of Falls, William Wickheiser of Nicholson, U.S. Navy during the Vietnam conflict, Butch Colombo of Glenburn, U.S. Army, and I, the thing that stood out, I, I know members of this family, the great family, and they started the youth football in the Abingtons, he and his wife and a bunch of others. And then Edward Wolosian, Taylor. Yeah, he worked for the United States Postal Service, but before that he was with the U.S. Army in Korea with the medical company. He proved his mettle, did Edward Wolosian, by saving a fellow warrior, and he was a recipient of the Purple Heart. So we lost all of them. And we thank all of them and their families. Well, you've settled into your day. The Club for Common Sense has convened. And we are continuing for at least this one more hour to provide a sanctuary of sanity for all of you on Appointment Radio, otherwise known as the Bob Cordaro Show. So we have Mark Mix. He's the pe- president of the National Right to Work Foundation. And these, like, I'm a, I'm a pro-union guy, by the way, anti-government unions and public, ser- public unions. But th- it's good to know we've got groups like the National Right to Work Foundation out there fighting for the rights of workers. Because it's not all about unions. And Mark is with us, and there's a recent case that came out about a Pennsylvania metal worker who was getting charged union dues when he didn't want them. Mark, welcome. 
Bob, good to be on with you, and thanks for the opportunity to chat. Uh, I am uh, excited to talk with you. I've got some kin that just over the Pennsylvania border in your listening area, so maybe, maybe, just maybe they're tuned in today, although they, <laughs> they may not like what I have to say. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Listen, if we worry about whether people will like what we have to say, we'd have to be silent. <laughs> That's right, Bob. And I, I, I presume, based on your introduction, that you're not silent, so it's good to be on with you today. And I'll just call you Bob, okay? Okay, because that last is confusing. You yeah. feel free. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, this is an important case, Bob, and, and you're right. I mean, there, you know, when we talk about labor policy in America, everyone kind of thinks it's one-sided, this labor union, this labor union, that. And, and obviously, we have federal laws that protect workers. Uh, we don't hear many of the stories about when a worker objects. In this case, we had an employee who came to us for free legal representation. He was a union steward, Bob, and he decided, based on what he saw inside the union, the Communication Workers of America, that he no longer wanted to basically pay them um, as a condition of his employment. Now, unfortunately, because Pennsylvania is not a right-to-work state, there are 27 right-to-work states today. There may be only 26 as of 5 o'clock today because Michigan's trying to repeal theirs. There's a hearing going on right now in Lansing. But in, in the 27 right-to-work states, you cannot be compelled to pay dues or fees to get or keep a job. In Pennsylvania, I you thought there was a, by the way, uh, Mark, oh, Mark what's... Sorry, what, yep. what, uh, I thought there was a Supreme Court case, not directly on point for private sector workers, that if you didn't want to participate in the union, you didn't have to. They're exactly, you're exactly right about that, Bob. You're on top of this. This is a case that we litigated here at the National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation at the United States Supreme Court. We argued the case back in 2018, and the Supreme Court agreed with our argument that everything that government unions do is political speech. They're redressing government, trying to basically influence, and I'm using my finger quotes here, on what government, how they spend their money, and what they do uh, from a standpoint of, of the terms and conditions of employment. And so they, they basically said that all government sector workers in America have First Amendment constitutional protections from being forced to pay a private organization for the right to work for their government. So we have a right to work law for all government sector employees across the nation. We've had that since 2018. But in the private sector, in states that don't have right to work laws, you can still be required to pay fees in order to keep your job. And that's what's happening here at this catalyst company over in Gallatin. Is that headed towards the Supreme Court so that uh, this court can make a definitive decision on it? Because as I said, I'm pro-private sector unions, but not if the guy doesn't want to be in it. <laughs> yeah, no, that, and that's actually the point, Bob. You know, under the National Labor Relations Act, it was passed back in the 1930s, actually 1935, and then finally upheld by the Supreme Court in 1937. The federal law says that workers in Pennsylvania, back then it said you had to formally join a union. You had to join and be a member of a private organization in order to work. And then to add insult to injury, you had to pay these dues and fees. In 1963, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in a case called NLRB versus General Motors. It said, well, you know, forcing workers to be a formal member of a private organization is probably a bridge too far for basic individual freedom. And so what we decide is you don't have to join the union, but you can be forced to pay up to 100% of dues or fees in order to keep your job. Well, that was the, the placemaker in 1963. In 1988, we actually did argue a case at the Supreme Court that is relevant to private sector employees. That's a case called Beck versus Communication Workers of America, the very union that we're talking about right here in this case in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. 
and that case said that you cannot be compelled to pay for the political or ideological agendas of a union. And Bob, I, I hate to announce this to you, but unions are very political. They get involved in politics, and uh, and they spend a lot of money on politics because their power is a derivative of government action, whether it be at the federal. Uh, and by the way, or, sometimes it, yeah. against the interest of their own workers, because they a- they're so lockstep with the left. And the Democrat Party that they overlook their own workers when they're when they're getting engaged. That's exactly right, and that's what happened in this case where the union steward he looked at what they were up to and said, "I don't want to be part of that anymore." And and Bob, to your point, let's take real a real quick example: the Keystone Pipeline. Remember that project yeah. that was going to bring new oil down to to our refineries in the United States? That was a total union job. Every job on that construction project was a union job, and the operating engineers union, which was representing many of the employees driving the bulldozers and the backhoes and all the things that were going on, basically knew that President Joe Biden said on the campaign trail that he would stop the construction of the Keystone Pipeline. Yet that political action committee for that union, the operating engineers, spent literally hundreds of thousands of dollars to promote Joe Biden to get to the White House. He gets to the White House one week later. He puts all of those operating engineer union members on the unemployment line. Same thing happened in the oil and gas and the extractive industries as well. I mean, it, you're exactly right. The agendas of the top union officials, whether they be in Washington, D.C., or Harrisburg, are a lot different than rank-and-file workers across the country. That's why they need protection. So this uh, Coates case that you prevailed upon, was that with in Pennsylvania? Yes, it was. State it was over court decision. Well, no, it actually was a, it was a National Labor Relations Board settlement. Okay. And, yeah, so it's a pri- the private sector labor law is adjudicated by the National Labor Relations Board and their regional offices. There's a regional office in Pittsburgh that investigated this. And the union wanted to settle because they knew they were wrong and they were violating the rights of this employee. And, unfortunately, uh, lots of employees uh, are faced with this type of, you know, Hobson's choice. You know, how do I, how yeah. do I protect my individual freedom and still protect my job? And in this case case, we got the uh, the union to settle the case because they know if it went any farther, we might get to a, a place where the Supreme Court would look at it again and say, you know, forcing someone to pay for things they don't like is not a very good idea. We're talking about Mark Mix. He's the president of the National Right to Work Foundation. Uh, Mark Mix, tell tell me, what is, what is on the agenda with you? Because we know that Biden appointees do not follow the law. I mean, we know it. So the National yeah. Labor Relations Board uh, is not going to follow the law. They're not going to follow Supreme Court precedent. So you're going to have to fight in almost every instance. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, we have uh, 21 staff attorneys that do nothing but help employees. And, you know, I was just writing a report to our board of directors. We have 253 active cases last year, and we got another 160 actually active cases today, on behalf, all on behalf of employees in their fight against a union and or their employer. I mean, in this case, you know, the employer was not part of the problem. The, it was the union that was saying, hey, you can't, re- you can't resign union membership. You got to be a union. They actually said you have to be a union member which has been illegal under a Supreme Court case going back to 1963. So, <laughs> yeah, well, lots of work to do, Bob. You're, you're right. Your, your work will never be done. Mark Mix, president of the National Right to Work Foundation, thank you so much for joining us. And listen, uh, feel free to join us anytime an issue comes up. We'd love to hear your perspective. 
Okay, Bob, thanks. Is it Cordaro or Cordero? Cordaro, but we All go right, by. I we, an- I- we answer to anything. <laughs> gotcha. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, just because just you're lucky with a name like Mix. <laughs> yeah, right. That's right. Uh, thank you, Bob. All right, Mark Mix. Thank you very much. We'll take a break. We'll be back. The Bob Cordaro Show rolls on. March 14th, 1981, REO Speedwagon. The number two hit with Keep On Loving You. And before that, we played an extended interview, which gives you a sense of the incredibly engaging personality of Joe Pepitone. Uh, that was at an old-timers game. Johnny, what year? Uh, 2013. 2013. But he, he passed away at age 82 today. So we wanted to wanted to give him a little tribute. <laughs> he was a character, and I mean, he was what he was. And you gave him five dollars; that money was gone, and he owed ten more. <laughs> and our friend, as Chris Jermack said, our friend Jimmy Brzezetti, who was Mister Yankee here in Northeast Pennsylvania, uh, was great friends with Pepe. We interviewed Pepitone on our all-sports station that I owned back in the 90s. And we had that same kind of interview where he was just so natural and so funny and so blunt. But that was through uh, Jimmy Brzezetti. And uh, so we lost Pepitone today. By the way, in just a few minutes, at the bottom of the hour, we're going to be talking with E.J. Antoni. And thank you to Alex Preate for putting this together. He is with the Heritage Foundation, an economist who's talking about Biden's $7 trillion budget game. And he's done an opinion piece at uh, Fox News. And we want to talk to him about the insanity of this budget. It's so blatantly stupid and counterproductive to the good of the country that you just, you, you, your mouth is agape. So we'll talk to E.J. Antoni about that. Uh, a lot of people asking, because a lot of people have problems with their employers and with their unions. The group is called the National Right to Work Foundation. Mark Mix is the president. That's who we spoke to. And you can tell he's sharp as a tack and that he actually cares about the workers. And I will say it's rare, at least in the realm of private sector unions, it is rare that the union... Uh, does not look out for its workers. Uh, that's my view. I, I could be, you could disagree with me on that. I think they're, I think unions in the private spe- sector are absolutely critical. But they've got to be kept in check, and that's what the National Right to Work Foundation does. They've got to be kept in check. People will abuse power that they are given. Period. And someone's got to check them, and it ain't going to be the Biden administration. And their controlled National Labor Relations Board. It's got to be somebody else. It's got to be the courts. So we'll, we'll talk to him from time to time. So that's the name and organization. 
Munchie commenting on, you know, that he was a good guest. Uh, by the way, the failing Scranton Times, and it's, it's a rag. See, they don't care about the news. And we heard this today. We didn't get the paper here today. But a lot of people told me about it. They're going to discontinue Monday home paper, only digital. But you can still buy it elsewhere, I guess. And listen, if you don't care about your reader, you only care about your agenda, eventually you're going to drive readers away, and they did. So, I mean, who wants to read the rag every day? I'm interested in the obituaries. Beyond that, well, the sp- there's sports guys and business guys that do a good job. But there's local reporters that do a good job. They've got their editorial and top brass are all dedicated to left-wing lunacy. And I will not abide it. And obviously, neither are the readers. <laughs> so Scranton Times won't publish on Monday now. Uh, Tony T says, I was in the Carpenters Union. They had a meeting that told us we have to vote for Hillary Clinton if you want to keep your job. Well, Tony T, they can't do that. And that's the problem. That's the problem. They are too wedded to one political party. And it causes all kinds of problems for the people they represent. Somebody said, who represents the employer, the taxpayers, when negotiating with the employees, the government workers? Unfortunately, it's the politicians who want to curry favor with the unions, who are blocks of votes, which is why there should be no public unions, period. There should be civil service protections out the gazoo because politicians suck. But there should not be public service unions. They do too much, they play too many games, and they're too involved with left-wing politics. Somebody on the another subject says, remember that episode of Seinfeld when Kramer says Central Park was invented by Joe Pepitone in 1851? I don't remember that, but good stuff. Oh, boy. All right, we'll take a break. Bob Kadaro with you. W-I-L-K. We'll be back. We've got uh, A.J. and Tony talking about the Biden budget when we come back. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from our friend meteorologist Joe Snedeker. Today, mostly cloudy with snow and very windy. Depending on elevation, a trace to six plus inches of snow is possible, depending upon where you are. High of 34. Tonight, snow tapers off. It'll be cloudy with a low of 25. Tomorrow, decreasing clouds, flurries, windy, high of 40. Thursday, sun and clouds, high of 50. And now, Johnny, you got something for us. March 14th, 1987, Huey. Huey Lewis and the News had their third number one hit with Jacob's Ladder, that song. And before that, uh, I became acquainted with uh, Larry Kudlow through uh, Alex Priate, the local powerhouse uh, in conservative politics. And uh, love him. He, I met him up at the University of Rochester where both of us graduated years ago. And that was a huge pick and a very positive one for the Trump administration. You can see him on Fox and uh, Fox uh, Business News all the time. Well, another guy that knows just a little bit about the economy 
His name is E.J. Antoni, and he just wrote an opinion piece for Fox News on the Biden budget, the $7 trillion budget. And it's called Biden's $7 trillion budget game takes more of your money. Guess where it goes. E.J. Antoni, uh, welcome, the Heritage Foundation economist. Happy to have you, and uh, thanks to Alex for setting this up. Well, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Tell us now. It, it is a scam. It's actually a disgrace. You don't have to take it as far as I do, but this budget proposal is uh, it, its as bad as we've ever seen, in my view. Well, going by the numbers, and I mean, look, at the end of the day, that's, that's what we have to go by, right? Going by the numbers, you're, you're absolutely right. N- nothing has ever spent more than this. Uh, nothing has ever wanted to tax more than this. If you really wanted to kill economic growth, I'm not sure you could find a better plan to do it than this. <sighs> Tell us a little bit about it. Give us, give us a summary in your view, because we don't get much of one on the left stream media. We just don't. Well, I mean, I think you can reduce it to just three words, tax and spend. What this, what, what this uh, president wants to do with this budget, with next year's budget, is basically increase taxes everywhere he possibly can, including on those making less than $400,000 a year. He just wants to do it indirectly. But at the end of the day, do you really care if you're being taxed directly <laughs> or indirectly? No, you care that it's money coming out of your pocket. And these are all people who are paying $5,000 average per year more because of Joe Biden policies. Oh, absolutely. So if you just look at the the average family, for example, real wages, in other words, your your wages, what you get in your paycheck, but subtracted for the cost of living, those have actually been falling. They've fallen so much that it's like you're making $5,500 less as a family. But on top of that, now your, your borrowing costs are higher. Everything from, from your mortgage to your credit, credit cards, your auto loans and student loans, everything has gotten more expensive. Those borrowing costs have added another $1,500 a year. In other words, you feel about $7,000 poorer today than when Biden took office. Again, that's just what the numbers say. There's wow. no spin here. It's just the numbers. We're talking to E.J. Antoni. He's an economist at the Heritage Foundation, the very the August Heritage Foundation. I, I mean, you're around, and, and there's a lot of uh, older hands still around the Heritage Foundation. Could they have imagined a United States president proposing a $7 trillion budget? No, I, I don't think so. And, you know, I mean, when you're a policy wonk, you, it, you can kind of get your head around these numbers. But, but for most people, you know, I think we've become so desensitized, right? And these numbers are just too big to really wrap your head around. It's like, okay, what, what does this actually mean? <laughs> think of it this way. Imagine you have another mortgage. So take whatever your mortgage for your house is and now double that so you have a second mortgage, and that's what you owe on the national debt. It's It's... And it's remarkable, and it's done with a straight face, and then the left stream media doesn't even question it. I mean, they take the, they take the candy, but they don't take the rocks <laughs> in this trick-or-treat bag that, that Biden and the left wing have proposed. 
No, that's, that's absolutely right. And it, it's really amazing how you know the media seems to have transformed from this institution that would have fact-checked, to use the modern term, uh, you know, the, the, the administration, whoever it was, Democrat or Republican, and now the vast majority of the media has, instead uh, of being a critic, has turned into a mouthpiece for the administration. It really is appalling. And, and it's sad because the American people rely on the media, or at least they used to, uh, to, to actually get the truth. And that's just not the case anymore. E.J. Antoni, give us, I guess, a few of your greatest hits, the most disgraceful highlights of this $7 trillion Biden budget proposal. Oh, goodness, where do we start? You know, it's one of those things that everything's so bad. How do you pick just a few? Um, but I, I think energy taxes have to be up there. You know, this idea that you can somehow tax coal, oil, and natural gas and that none of that is going to be passed on to, to, to the average American, none of that is going to be passed on to people making less than $400,000 a year. Tell that to the people paying record high prices uh, for electricity right now. Give me a break. And meanwhile, these people want everything to go electric, all at the same time that elect- electricity prices continue going up. And, and it's almost like they, and, and EJ and Tony, it's, it's almost like they don't know what makes electricity. <laughs> no, as no, though it magically no, what, appears. <laughs> but but what what do you expect from from a president's cabinet that has literally never had so few years of collective? private sector work experience. The average private sector work experience of President Biden's cabinet is something like three years. And Biden's had zero. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, you, you must be appalled, even, even watching many politicians over the year years talk about the economy, to watch Joe Biden discuss the economy as though he has a clue what makes it work? You know, it, it's amazing how there were many presidents, many of his uh, you know, predecessors were able to speak about the economy in such a way that you never knew if they understood it or not. But you also you know, didn't think that they had no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> when Biden opens up his mouth, it leaves no doubt. I mean, this man, especially in the last 48 hours. He has no idea how a bank works, how fractional reserve banking works, what stress testing by the Federal Reserve is. The man is absolutely clueless. He doesn't even know how the FDIC functions. And he doesn't even what, – what astonished me the most is he doesn't even understand the parts of Dodd-Frank that were repealed and what Dodd-Frank actually does in regulating banks. I mean, if you looked at SVB – and saw the level of bond purchases in their assets, you would you would say, hey, this is really bad. And and in fact, J.P. Morgan made an analysis in November that that they were sixteen billion dollars underwater in their bond portfolio back in November. Right, exactly. I mean, this is once again a situation where regulators were asleep at the switch. We do not need more regulation. We do not need more penalties uh, for for banks that were actually prudent, which is what they're doing with FDIC, by the way, now. They are taking money from all the banks that did not fail and using it to cover the bank that did. (laughs) You you just, and I hate to be laughing about it, but it is laughable, but unfortunately it's true. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you either got to laugh or cry, right? Every time we have one of these crises, 
the government continues to provide yet another incentive for insolvency and penalty for prudence. So their regulators failed to enforce the regulations and the common sense in asset allocation of SVB Bank. They encouraged them to be woke and to pursue all the inanity that wokeness brings along with it instead of actually running a bank. And then when it collapses, they want more regulations. <laughs> right. Exactly. And and I'm sorry, you know, this is a little bit of speculation here, but do you really mean to tell me that if this had been East Palestine Bank and not Silicon Valley Bank, that it also would have gotten a bailout? Well, amen. Amen. E.J. and Tony, a great article in Fox News, great opinion piece by you about the Biden budget. We appreciate you coming on with us and welcome you to come on any time. It is appreciated. Oh, my pleasure. I'd love to come back and talk again. Whenever you're ready. E.J. and Tony, Heritage Foundation economist here on the Bob Cadaro Show. We'll be back. 1990. This date, Heart released their hit single, I Want to Do is Make Love to You. Murph passed that one along. And we're going to finish with a song from the Gilbert and Sullivan comic opera, The Mikado. But first, for, well, first I want to mention uh, something. Mike, I, I'm just, hearts go out to my cousin Tommy P, cousin and friend. Uh, he's commemorating the the anniversary of the loss of his wife. And, Tommy, we're with you. Uh, Laureen Cummings is also with us. She is a candidate, Republican candidate, for Lackawanna County Commissioner. So I guess this this is Republican candidate for Lackawanna County Commissioner Day. Laureen Cummings, welcome. Thank you very much, Bob, for taking the call. I appreciate it. Happy to. Now, uh, so you're back in the ring. You were the first woman to be a Lackawanna County Commissioner. The uh, local newspaper uh, forgot about that because you happen to be a uh, Republican. <laughs> but you're, you're seeking that office again. Yes, you know, uh, from the Godfather, just when you think you're out, they suck you back in again. You know, it's just amazing. <laughs> Uh, You know, I I am someone that believes in fiscal responsibility and and less government, not growing government. And, you know, seeing a new medical building being bought and things like that, it just uh, infuriated me to the core. And I went to the meeting to try and understand and look at where their expenditures were for all this. And I didn't see them in the budget. And when I questioned it, it took me, I had to keep coming back, going back and forth to these meetings to get answers. And it's just something that um, I always feel that it should be more transparency in government. And I worked very hard for that as well. So here I am back in the spotlight again, which I didn't really want to be in, but have I, I feel it's my responsibility at this point. Well, I'm happy to hear that you feel that way. Uh, someone wrote in, because I was talking about the Scranton Times uh, ending their Monday publication, and they said, Chris Kelly wrote an editorial defining the candidate as a Trump Republican. And then went on right on to state after that he doesn't know much about the candidate. <laughs> so you're used to those slings and arrows. <laughs> oh, yeah. They had they had a cartoon caricature of me with uh, Trump's hair on my head. And they called me Commissioner Lorene Trump. I mean, it's... it's and it's so stupid. Do. Not even, like, not even witty. It's just stupidity. No. 
<laughs> no, but, uh, you know, I mean, effective, you know, when you're an effective minority commissioner, that's what happens to you. But that's the way it is, and I, that's okay. I am for the people, and I always will be. Well, you were one of the most effective minority commissioners because you became a majority commissioner, even <laughs> even as a minority on the board. So there's another first. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> well, Lorene, I know we'll see you out campaigning. And yes. I wish you the best. Stay strong and uh, stay safe on the campaign trail. Uh, I can't say that you'll enjoy it. I know I never did, but <laughs> but but I wish you well. Thank you so much. And and feel free to come on anytime you have an issue you want to bring up. We've got a minute or two for you all the time. All right. Appreciate it. All right, Laureen Cummings, Republican candidate for Lackawanna County Commissioner. As we conclude with the Mikado and uh, music therefrom. Yeah, great to be with you guys. And we're in tough times. And we've got crises that Biden is creating that they simply don't have the mindset because they've created the problem. And can't admit it. So they can't reverse course. Just think about inflation alone. If they reversed energy policy. If they reversed and corrected spending policy. They could take inflation off the table. But always remember. Their agenda matters more than you. More than me. More than America. More than common sense. And that's what they're going to do. Sad stuff. We want to thank again, final mention, our lost veterans. My old friend Eddie D'Agostino. Thomas Waronko. R.J. Whiting. William Wickheiser. Butch Colombo. Edward Wolosian, thank you all for your service. Thank you to your families. God bless. We'll be with you tomorrow, God willing. Stay safe from the snow. It's not that bad. WYLK News Radio. This is the Bob Cordaro Show Podcast. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.